Welcome back to I Loved This Conversation. My name is Alex Salzberg. I am the host of this podcast. I'm also an animator, a writer, a creative person. I'm recording at my desk in Boston. If I sound tired, it's because I got married over the weekend, which is very exciting. It was, I mean, a lot to unpack about a wedding, especially after planning it for so long, but it was really great and wonderful. Excuse my yawns. Uh, I'm not yawning out of boredom because today's episode is really, really exciting. I was so excited to record this one. I've had so much fun editing it, and all around it was just a great experience. Today we're talking to Max Ritzy, the chef and owner of Ritzy East, a restaurant in Watertown, Massachusetts, a really good restaurant, I might add. It's interesting with Max because I knew him in one context as the person behind the bar or in the kitchen, the person coming out to say hello to me at the restaurant table. And it was really cool to sit across from Max in a podcast studio without a bar between us and just have a conversation. I'm so grateful that this podcast gave me the opportunity to finally get to know someone that I knew for three or four years. Just You just never really get to have those deep conversations. Or maybe we could, and I just hadn't yet. Um... Debating whether or not I want to talk about this um, thing that's been on my mind this week. You know what? I I will. Because I, A, I think it, it really fits what this podcast is about and what things we've talked about. And I also think that hopefully somebody out there will relate. Um, I've talked before on this podcast about how difficult it can be to deal with negative body image. That's been a lifelong journey for me with dozens of successes, but also many setbacks. And um, after our wedding, uh, pictures and videos started rolling in, uh, some of them from our guests and our friends, others from our photographer and videographer who did an amazing job. And I had a really negative reaction a negative body image reaction. I started having all of those intrusive thoughts. Why is my suit fitting like that? Why am I standing like that? Why did I do that nervous thing? Is my belly really that big? All those those thoughts. And man, if I'm having these thoughts about my wedding pictures and my wedding videos, then (laughs) truly negative body image is insidious, and just so worth working on getting past. Having a negative image of your body is fear, right? It's a fear that the way you look is going to get in the way of our ability to exist, (laughs) to be quote unquote normal and to be loved, right? And I'm looking at pictures and videos from a day in my life when I could not possibly have more evidence that I am loved, right? I'm marrying a beautiful, wonderful person, my wife. I'm surrounded by friends and family who are literally crying as they watch us get married because they love us so much and are so moved by that. And yet I'm looking at photos, worried about my belly, worried that I have like a nervous twitch a few times. I... I, It's just, I don't know what to do with that, but all I know is that I really want to, even more so than I have been, rededicate myself to becoming neutral about my own body as best as I can. And I think it's a long journey, but um, it's just so obvious to me now that how I feel about my body is so utterly disconnected from the reality of how my body exists in the world, in that my body... And, and the mind and soul that it carries, is that, that's kind of deep, right? My body and my mind and my soul are loved and capable of getting married and working hard and having a podcast and having friends and having family. And so knowing just how big that contrast is, I hope will propel me to even more work on that. But it's also hard. It, it's been a little bit of a hard week with that stuff. And I just, I wanted to be real with you guys about that. So anyway, thought I'd share that. Nervous about sharing that as usual. But that's, um, 
that's uh, that's the body image stuff. And in a different way, um, body image comes up in my conversation with Max Ritzy, along with so many other things. Um, he and I talk about relaxing productively versus relaxing unproductively and the pressures on both sides of that. We talk about cooking. We talk about family. We also talk about Max's um, very public transition. And we also talk about Max's sobriety. So Max is going through a lot of journeys and, and transformations. And it's so amazing to talk to someone in the moment as they're going through those things. So Without further ado, why don't we just get into it? Let's meet our guest and hear his connection to me. I'm Max Ritzy, the owner of Ritzy East in Watertown. And my friend Alex here has been visiting since our very start. And not only a great guest, but a contributor to the cocktail list. I bet something you did not know. <laughs> That's right. I did name one of the drinks, I think. Orange uh, is the new black, I yeah. believe. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually like a way too exciting yeah. moment in my life. I was so honored. The The drinks at Ritzy are often named after uh, pop culture things and TV shows. So there was some new one, and I remember brainstorming with another friend and just just came to me. We always open on this podcast with a big question but I have to answer it later, so okay. you're not alone. What is something you're going through in your creative life or where your creative life overlaps with your entire life? It could be a problem you're trying to solve, a decision you're trying to make, something you're just feeling weird about. I think at this moment, I am in a little bit of a creative block. And because of this, um, I don't have much scheduled time for myself. And I think being so busy, I really am someone who needs... Uh, time to have space to create and I need alone time to create ideas. And for me, that's like a really different vision than other people because my downtime isn't watching TV um, or hanging out at home. And that's something that took me a long time to realize that like <laughs> it's okay to have a, a different way to relax. But me, you know, finding my creative juices by visiting other places, you know, like uh, taking time to like look at other people's menus or like even go to the museum, something that like takes me out of my comfort zone. And I haven't had time for that. So I do feel like I'm really in a creative rut almost mm. where, you know, and that's such a big part of my life that, you know, it weighs. Yes, that's interesting. I'm curious when you talk about the creativity that you do alone, uh, what does that look like? I assume that that's related to the restaurant. So I think running a social media takes a lot of creativity, um, which is part of it, you know, and I creativity outside the restaurant as well. You know, I, I love cooking at home. And I think part of creativity is cooking without guidelines. And when I'm at the restaurant, I'm cooking for people. I'm cooking with guidelines. Mm. And, you know, at home, my wife is a farmer, being able to use these veggies and kind of play like a chopped kitchen and uh, problem solve. I think it's, you know, figuring out what you have and going through it. And that really is creative for me. And that that resonates all over for me, like just having that time to expand my mind and like be with myself, I think, not other people. <laughs> right, right. Your day job at a restaurant, owning a restaurant is very Social, it seems like. Very social. People around. You mentioned, and this is really interesting, that for you, you almost had to make peace with that essentially like the Netflix, you know, hanging out watching TV isn't the way you unwind. Talk more about that realization. Absolutely. And that's one that's that's kind of recent, actually. And that's uh, with the thanks of therapy. I think that has really helped. But I found myself almost feeling depressed when I was at home. Like, I always should be doing something else. Like, I, I'm wasting my time. And it's not necessarily like I should be, you know, cleaning the house or, you know, creating a new job, but I should be bettering myself. I should be doing something to push myself forward, whether that's listening to a podcast or, you know, going for a walk for my mental health or, you know, researching and development for my restaurant. I really struggled with that, and that correlates to drinking. Mm -hmm. I had a problem with drinking, and it really was more a problem of, not being able to find my time to relax, I guess. Like right. I have a really hard time relaxing and alcohol made it so much easier. Yeah. And it's been two years sober, a little over two years sober. And it's just, it really has reworked my brain into like what really qualifies me time. What is actually benefiting me and what's taking away from me. Right, right. Were you often drinking to sort of shut off your brain, for lack of a better word? That is exactly what I say to like people <laughs> who don't quite understand. I'm mm -hmm. like, you know, it was just about making my brain quiet. That, yeah. That's it, right? Because very rarely. And I, I remember when we started in a relationship uh, with my current wife, we've been together 13 years, but I remember saying to her, trying to describe myself, I said, 
does your brain ever stop? Is it ever quiet? She said, yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> What's that like? <laughs> yeah. I was like, my brain is never quiet. Mm-hmm. It never mm-hmm. stops. And that's something not a ton of people can relate to. And I think um, that definitely is something uh, I say it's my greatest and weakest strength all in one. Yeah, I, de- I definitely relate to that. And there there are other, other things in my life that I've used to shut off my brain that uh, in retrospect, that's, yeah, you're just trying to like quiet it down. But what I really, I also relate to is this tension between you have this spare time and it's almost an overcorrection because I'm someone and maybe you relate who like does quote unquote work too hard and work a lot. So there's so much learning over my life of like learning that I should take a break and that I should relax. And then sometimes I feel like I overcorrect and there are times when I could be editing this podcast or painting or doing something creative and um, active with my mind that I talk myself out of it because I'm like, no, I'm supposed to be relaxing. Don't be a workaholic. I relate to that in a huge way. Uh, something that I discovered not too long ago that I refer to often is spoon theory. And mm. I don't know if you're familiar with this. Is that where spoons represent your energy? Yeah, and it yeah. was someone with lupus, and she described mm. to her friends about like why she wasn't going out with them and why she was tired. And I think it's a great appropriate thing for everyone. And everyone, what's going on in your life, you know, you're you're given five spoons a day. And some days when I'm feeling really burnt out, you know, I've worked really hard that a spoon might go to a shower, you know, something as simple as that. And I think that is what it is, right? These creative things that I've talked myself out of also because it requires a spoon. Even creativity, as much as it sets you free, it requires some patience and it requires like a mindset of like, where are we going, right? Like I, I can relax enough to let those thoughts come. Right, right. And I'm curious too, like what is your schedule like like where does your quote unquote free time that you're you're learning to put towards these other creative outlets where does that land in your week and in your day my guess is working at a restaurant or owning a restaurant like they're not the same time that it falls for me (laughs) absolutely and the fact that it's I cannot count on it every day Mm. is different I just read the book Atomic Habits and it really it has started my brain and it talks a lot about you know the factor of like just going so I may not go to the gym first thing in the morning, which I try. I try to like get up, make a smoothie, go to the gym. In the morning is my time as well. I have a little time with my dog, which I love. (laughs) Um, I make a nice breakfast for myself and I have like a few moments. I meditate before like I start the day. And then I try to go to the gym. But the only thing is the gym's really my time. I spend an hour there and my thing right now is doesn't matter what I do there. I just go to the gym. If you don't feel like going, I don't feel like going. I will just sit on a machine and yeah. I will do like a couple things. <laughs> God, that's what I miss about the gym. I stopped going for a while during COVID and then now I've been living between two places. I really want to rejoin because, yeah, all you need to do is get there. And then you're really likely to do something. Like usually you're not likely to just sit on a, <laughs> on a machine. Totally. Something I struggle with sometimes is because it sounds like you have a lot of um, habits that are really uh, important when it like for lack of a better word, self-improvement. I know that's like a loaded term, but like, you know, the gym, meditating, spending time with your family and all that. Do you ever feel like when you try to do too many of those things at once, it like piles up and then that sort of feels like work? Because I I find I can sometimes be all or none about that self-improvement stuff. Like, all right, starting tomorrow, I go to the gym and I start opening my meditation app again. And I I journal and I this and I that. And I think that's for a lot of people, right? Like all of a sudden it's like emotional buildup. Like I started this new thing where on Tuesdays I have lunch with my mom and my aunt because I feel like they miss me and I really want to connect. But then I have that, oh oh, shit, you know, tomorrow's Tuesday. I'm going to have to get, and it does. And it starts to build up on things like that. And AA has taught me and something that really, you know, one day at a time, what Mm. are you going to do today? And that is something like, where are your feet? right now. And that's something I say to myself often. Yeah. Does, I'm curious if this question makes sense. Uh, Does sobriety, like the day-to-day journey with that, is that always taking up at least one spoon in the back of your head? Uh, Some days more than others. I mean, working, owning a restaurant, definitely alcohol Mm -hmm. is around and present. Right. But when my mental health is struggling, like absolutely, I feel like lately I've just really, my mental health has been at a low point and I feel I just at therapy before this, and I said that alcohol is is weighing on my brain, and it is something mm-hmm. that I have to, at that point, like, I need to get to meetings. I need to make sure that I'm taking the right steps. If not, it's a beautiful case of self-sabotage. Right, right. 
you know, your switch to sobriety, I don't know if that's the right term switch, but uh, <laughs> I like the, it. Trendsetting. Do you feel that's one of the biggest like mental health turning points in your life or are there others you can point to? It, it started with therapy mm-hmm. and I was trying to get sober then and I was really, really in a bad place. Um, the restaurant was a year and a half old. I think there was just so much stress. Yeah. I was not seeing friends. I was not seeing family. I was drinking a lot um, as my excuse is my only time. And my sister, actually, who's a nurse, was like, listen, you need to see a therapist. You're you're really depressed. And growing up, you really have, have to be at death's door to, you know, <laughs> warrant any type of sickness. And I think mm. it took me a long time to realize I did need help. And just by happenstance, I got an excellent therapist who I, like, really <laughs> connected with. Yeah. And um, I think my sister picked this therapist because alcohol abuse was, like, one of the signs and she mm. knew I was trying but really, she is a also a gender-affirming therapist, yeah. which no one knew at that time I was struggling with besides myself. I went to this first meeting, and she asked what my pronouns were. And it was something that I've been thinking about for so long and really probably what was causing that drinking, causing right. that depression. Um, and for the first time, I, you know, I said, what do I have to lose? And I put they, them, and I thought it was going to be this great talking point. And she just breezed right <laughs> over it. And I've like, never felt so slighted in my life. You know? I was like, wow, I really worked myself up on that one. Right, right. It's like Great. you're 21 like, and give your ID. And they're like, I don't know, you're good. <laughs> like, what the hell have I been waiting for? Oh, man. I have some questions about that because um, you're not a you know celebrity, but you're a public figure. You're front-facing at your restaurant. You're very active on social media. You're part of the Boston area restaurant scene. Um, And you've been, is transitioning the right word? Yeah. Um, You've been transitioning very publicly. You've talked very openly about pronouns and hormone replacement therapy and top surgery. What what calls you to be so public about it, especially now hearing that only a few years ago, um, it was a secret from everyone? Yeah, I think in the beginning, when I when I was really discussing this uh, that I talked about that my first thing was that I didn't want to be known as the trans kid from Waltham because mm-hmm. a lot of people know my dad. My family had a restaurant in Waltham. It was open for ninety five years. Yeah, you know I went to Waltham High. It's just like I have this restaurant, and that's small thinking that your brain does. You know, mm-hmm. talk yourself out of the job before you even get it type deal. And and that's really was I was just so afraid to be that person. And and I realized. I was on Phantom Gourmet twice as uh, my previous life, you know, female presenting and with my previous name. And and so many people know me as the youngest Ritzy, you know, like it's just who I was. And there's a lot of hard conversations that happen. I mean, I had two hard conversations this weekend with people who have known me from my previous life. And I think the only way to go about it for me was to be up front because I'm at the restaurant. I'm there. Things are changing. So I'm trying to be proactive about it. And you know, I also think part of like what took me so long for this and like really struggled and I suffered was that I didn't really know anyone trans. Like mm. I, I wasn't sure who I was because I had never seen representation. And I think that's really important for people. And like my struggles are real. I don't want to be some Instagram person. You know, I know right. people are like, oh, you're going to take down all your photos that have like, I'm like, no, like still a part of me. Like I know people feel all different ways, but the representation needs to be there for the people that are struggling. Yeah. What kind of representation do you wish you had seen at maybe different for various points in your life, but um, throughout your life? I mean, I don't feel like I'm ancient. I'm 36 years old and I lived in Waltham, you know, a pretty, it was a big school. But to say that like the amount of gay people I met in my life pre-college was was minimal. Mm-hmm. There's there's no education on it. You know, there there really isn't anything in a public school. It just it didn't warrant acceptance, and I didn't accept myself again because like, how did you know, right? <laughs> like, you don't know you like the color blue if you've never seen it. Right. Oh, that's interesting. As someone who is transitioning publicly, and you know, even built into that word transitioning, what are some of the things you've noticed about being in the middle of a journey while also representing that? community and being a part of that community. I'm truly in the middle. And I know, you know, I'll be transitioning forever. I'm celebrating a year on testosterone on Thursday. Oh, nice. Mazel tov. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. But it it really is that right now I'm in that middle that I'm sometimes passing. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not always passing. And I think it's, you know, it can be ego bruising. I tell myself all the time, I'm like, it's not malicious. It's a lack of education mm-hmm. that people mm-hmm. aren't aware, right? Yeah. And I do see more and more. And it's just like being in this not exact 
passable state where, you know, people come in from Waltham and, and it's really hard, you know, they, they ask for someone different and, mm. or when we have conversations or I actually said to my therapist and my wife that like this joke with me picking my new name, Max, I really didn't want to pick something that had like something feminine attached to it mm. that people could then, you know, relate back. And, um, so what you know? What if people think my name was Maxine? And uh, both both Chelsea and my therapist laughed in my face, <laughs> and they're like, "You're you're being ridiculous. You're overthinking." And it's like, in the last seventy two hours, I've got Maxine twice, and it's like, oh, how, like how how the hell is that possible, yeah. right? And that's like, it's you know, taking things in stride. And I think where are my feet right now? Grateful for where I am. Are there days where you just don't want to be public at all about it? Where you're just like wish that you could just like hide or something, but you have to go to the restaurant or you have to post something or. Definitely. And a uh, <clears throat> big shout out to my wife right here because <laughs> I definitely do have those days. I'm, I'm very happy that they're far and few in between yeah. now, but they used to be quite often. And I was real, when I was really depressed, I just, I couldn't show up, not for myself, not mm-hmm. for anyone else, because, you know, they say you can't pour from an empty glass and that's right. what it was in when you're out there, when you're at the restaurant, you're on stage and this is your business and this yeah. is my face representing my business, right? As I say to everyone else, like, leave it at the door. And not in a mean way. Like, it, it, after shift, if you need to talk, I'm here for you. But, like, yeah. we're on stage. Yeah. And that's, you really, it, it's taxing sometimes on your soul. With Ritzy East, at least from, you know, the, there was a period of time where I went there a lot when I lived down, down the street. And you're very sort of, owner's front and center <laughs> restaurant. Uh, you know, there's some restaurants you go to, you have no idea who owns the place. But Ritzy, I think just because of the size and and the vibe. So I imagine in general, even aside from, you know, the journey you're on now, there are days where you're just like, I don't want to look at anyone. Definitely. And I think of Ritzy's as an extension of me. Like, I want people to feel like they're coming into my home. And that's kind of the scene I said. That's why I like the size of it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I want to be able to chat with people and hang out. But it's like, you know, you're having dinner parties every weekend and there's going to be a weekend that you're like, wow, I'm just tired. I don't want to talk to people and, you know, keep up with it all. And again, back to spoons, right? The, yeah. I don't have the spoons to fulfill this. So, right. You, and that's why I think I've fallen into these waking up and meditating, right? Knowing, mm-hmm. going to AA meetings, knowing when I need them. Right. Sounds like you really actively recharge. I I try. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I try. I don't always succeed. Right. But do you? I I think I personally think like the introvert extrovert thing is like kind of played out, or the way people talk about it is so oversimplified. But even just baseline, how do you identify on that scale? Uh, it has changed because I always saw myself as an extrovert continually, mm-hmm. and then I've kind of thought it on the basis of energy now. More like I'm putting more energy into myself now, yeah. so I have less energy for other people. I think. Oh uh, wow, I've never heard it put that way. Well, I and... think I just thought of that. Unless someone wants to come at me and say that's your thought. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm going to attribute it to you. I really love that. Yeah, it's like where you're putting your energy. Because I, I, I think so many people are defining like. I'm an introvert, so I have to go home and watch TV now. Or I'm an extrovert, I have to go to that party. And and I think sometimes watching TV and lounging like is is a crutch, but like sometimes it's not good. It, it's too much, right? Yeah. Like that people find that that's their their way of coping. That's their vice. And sometimes you know, for you gotta slap yourself a little and be like, you know, <laughs> gotta get up, gotta go for a run, gotta do something different. Right. The thing I've been noticing lately is like. All that, all that really basic self-care stuff, right? Going for a walk or a run or exercising or meditating. It's almost, I'm finding it almost annoying how well it works. Like I'll be in a slump for like, <laughs> for days. I'll just be like, you know, working too hard, like, you know, having quick meals, the only, putting the only energy for a break I have into scrolling Instagram or TikTok. And then uh, and then I'll be at the same time like negative and and feeling cynical and depressed. And then like I'll go for not that depression is always this easily curable. I just mean like in these slumps. And then I'll go for a walk for twenty minutes and come back and be like, God damn it, I feel great. <laughs> it is so true. One of my like I don't know. I write down these like little thoughts sometimes, and one of them was like, Don't limit your view with self made obstructions. And I think that's kind of what I do, right? And I like make these small obstructions for myself where laying in bed a little too long and, you know, doing or purposely waiting on something that makes Mm -hmm. it even worse when, right, 
I could just do all this stuff, right? Go for the walk, eat the right food. Yeah. And then it's like, I'm feeling better. I know I do. And it's it's why, right? Why does your brain go to that? You yeah. don't feel better. <laughs> why do we, it's like we know, you and I, we're 36. I've also been in therapy for many years, you know. We, we know all these things already. I know how well a walk works. I know how well cooking uh, a nice lunch for myself works, you know. Um, why why are we stopping ourselves? Why are we putting up those obstructions? I think you know? that even I went to bed really, I was very tired. I had a long week. I went to bed early last night and my wife left at 7.30 and I was essentially like awake, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, and I was laying there and I was thinking about like, wow, think of all the stuff I can get done before <laughs> the podcast. I'm going to do this and that and that. And I laid there and I scrolled on Instagram for 15 minutes and then told myself I deserve 45 more money yeah. to sleep, right? And then here I am running around before here. It's like, why? I yeah. didn't need that sleep. I was wide awake, right? Right. It's hard to tell though, because sometimes I feel like I have the opposite where like my body is screaming at me to go back to sleep and I'm like, no, I don't deserve sleep. I, you know? I don't deserve sleep, exactly, yeah. right? Deserving. Like what we deserve. I how weird is that? I've been thinking about that. Like I need new kitchen sneakers, new like work sneakers, and they're one hundred thirty five dollars. Yeah. I would bl- I would go out to dinner and spend one hundred thirty five dollars uh-huh. in a heartbeat. But here I am. Like, is this the week I'm going to buy the sneakers? <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? As uh, I'm like, oh God, someone right. slip me an Advil, please. I want to he- talk a little about you. Grew up in a restaurant family, and I know in other interviews I researched a little bit. Uh, you talked about you know you'd you'd wait on the school bus and get off there and that that felt like home. So I'm curious, like, what was it about your family's restaurant that felt like home for you? I think a lot of it was that that's where my parents were. <laughs> uh, I'm the youngest of six kids and by far six kids. I'm mm-hmm. a 20-year gap between the oldest and me being the youngest. Oh, wow. uh, my closest sibling, seven years older than me. And I think I was always a kid that was just kind of alone. I don't know, yeah. right? And the restaurant was two blocks away from my parents' house, so they they felt comfortable. It's a phone call and a drive away that, you know, when I was young, that's where I'd be till they got home. And and I think that's, you know, as a kid, you're lonely. You don't have anything to mm-hmm. do. You, and, you know, that's just where I wanted to be because, as we've talked about, I'm not someone who can really sit still, watch TV, and <laughs> relax. I think even as a kid, I wanted to be doing and going and that was so much of it, like getting off at the bus and like even doing my homework at the counter while like yeah. watching everyone clean and listening to everyone. <laughs> the youngest sibling who is like six or seven years at least younger than their other siblings. What do you feel like you got from that birth order slash position? It allowed me to see things a lot. You know, I, I was with a lot of different people, a lot of different <laughs> situations as a kid. It does cause you to grow up a little bit because you see more. And I, I don't realize that. Until I know my wife is the complete opposite end of the spectrum. But like talking about, you know, what she was exposed to as a kid or like, you know, her understanding of this and just seeing how vastly, vastly different it was for me. You know, yeah, eight-year-old me and 22-year-old Chelsea were about the same person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so funny having uh, when you have a partner who like, I, I, not that I ever thought my family was quote unquote normal, but it was, you learn things about your family or like how you grew up that are, that are different. It is so true, right? And <laughs> you're brought into this other family where things are like, my family is stone cold. You don't talk about anything. If your mm. leg's blown off, you, you're thankful that there's a possibility that you get another one or that you have your other leg. Where <laughs> Chelsea's family is like, you walk in the door, everyone wants a hug and a kiss. You know uh, how your day is. Are you emotionally stable? You know, tell me all about it. <laughs> and it is just so vastly different that I think it it took me a really long time to, I'm going to use the word soften. It, yeah. it felt so obscure to me, you know, getting a big hug and kiss and asking how my day was. I was like, fine. <laughs> how was your? If you're if you're at an event with Chelsea's family and she's like, all right, we're going to head out. How many minutes until you actually end up leaving? We're never leaving. We're like, <laughs> we're staying the night. We get talked into stay. I, they're also just generally just so kind and care about each yeah. other. And as siblings, I see the relationship they have. And it's everyone not only wants to say bye, they want to tell you when they're going to see you next. And they want to tell you how good you look and they can't wait, you know. And then when you do leave, you're going to get a bunch of pictures from them that they took. <laughs> and, you know, it it's great. It really is. It's, it's sweet. And uh, jumping back to like, you know, growing up uh, in the restaurant, when you were growing up, did you envision yourself having a restaurant all the way back then? Or did that evolve later? Uh, I think that's always what I wanted. Yeah. I did. 
uh, my childhood, like what I really thought I was going to do, which is like so wild because I like <laughs> barely graduated college, but uh, a seismologist or like I want to study volcanoes or something. Uh, that's I think also I, cool. I think I saw the movie Dante speak a little too young, <laughs> really involved in that. And my mom thought I was going to be a radio DJ. That's what my mom uh, was convinced I was going to be. So here I am. Like, yeah. Hey, Ma. Right, send the picture. It finally happened. Yeah, it happened. <laughs> um, obviously, I'm sure for both of us, what we're doing now differs 200% from how we pictured we'd be doing. But I'm also someone who, my career, I'm an animator, is what I wanted to be when I grew up, which is, I think, more rare. What's your relationship with Kid You on that front? Uh, I think it it's a progression because I think Kid Me comes back a lot to me settling that with within my transition, right? Mm. Like to fix that stuff. But I think also the restaurant, I think in everyday life, I demonstrate kid me. I mean, my Jeep is this ridiculous blue color. <laughs> Everything I wear is multicolored. I have dinosaurs all over my bedroom. Yeah. I just, you know, there's a chance I have Batman boxers on right now. I just, <laughs> I think there's a lot that maybe I missed out on as a kid that as an adult, as I've like, I've tried to recapture it, right? Yeah. Memories that I've pushed aside, I've really tried to recapture. And I think when I first opened the restaurant, like uh, I knew exactly who I was. I was still that kid, but nervous to present that, right? Because you're mm -hmm. opening a restaurant and it is vulnerability, right? Yeah. You're, you're letting people in. You're They're trying your food. They're trying your drinks. They're absorbed in your atmosphere. And um, I think some of that was, it didn't start like that. And I think as I've gone, I've added little pieces, little touches that feel more me. And and I love that, right? I think that every time I look around, and not only me, my staff, everyone's donated some like little toy. And I think that people just kind of forget about the fun stuff, right? That everything's just so rigid, especially lately. Things yeah. feel so like tough that like, you know, you want to go somewhere that you can just relax. I think everyone's still a kid at heart, right? Yeah. We, we just kind of cover it up. What are the biggest differences you think? I'm sure there's a million, but the biggest similarities and differences between Ritzy East and uh, Ritzy's Seafood, your family's restaurant, uh, that closed, I think, about 20 years ago, right? Uh, 2005, it yeah. closed. And um, so crazy. It, it is vastly different. The older generation people mm. will come in and and they really expect a lot of what my dad had to offer. <laughs> the, old, the old Waltham folk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, my dad is just quite a guy. He really is. And the one thing that my dad passed on to me for this, you know, very few words he has, but um, was to delegate. You know, he spent mm. his whole life head down working, and I think he really regrets missing out on a lot of that. And I think I think that's something that old Ritzy's definitely, you know, the vibe of, like, people working, people going, like, go, go, go. Yeah. And I think that's something I really try not to have Ritzy East be. I really try to make sure that, you know, we're set up in a way that if people need a day off that – they have a day off if it's, yeah. if it's for mental health, if it's my mental health. Do you feel most like a chef or a cook or more like a manager, business owner, or, or maybe it depends on the day? Uh, I think it depends on the day, but there's a lot of, um, I can't think of the exact term right now. Like when you think you're a fraud, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I think a lot of that with the kitchen. So when I was younger, I always wanted to work in the kitchen mm. and I was at my parents' restaurant, and I got an opportunity to work in the kitchen, and my parents gave me that. But after, it was really hard to find an opportunity to work in the kitchen. I worked in restaurants all through college, mm. you know, all six years. Not a doctor, guys, but all six years. <laughs> uh, and I did. I always asked for opportunities, even if it was for prep. I just, I love cooking. Mm -hmm. I I always saw that being my way. And, and yeah, and I never got the opportunity. So when I opened Ritzy's, I made that my point, right? Like, to take my things to the next level to make sure yeah. that I like learned as much as I could and absorbed it. And I like love being in the kitchen. I think I'm good in the <laughs> kitchen, but I also have a little bit of that imposter syndrome. You know, when people are like, oh, like whose menu is this? I'm like, it's mine. They're like, you made everything. I'm like, yeah. But like, <laughs> you know, it is that like, but I'm not a chef. I right. I, I didn't go to, you know, the culinary institute, right. which is, you know, such BS. But <laughs> you, you again, here I am. So do you feel that because you know you own the restaurant, so you're you're an entrepreneur, and then also you are cooking in the restaurant. Do you ever feel like the business side is getting in the way of the cooking? I mean, I may be talking to myself because I also own an animation business and I animate. No, absolutely right, and there it comes back to that creativity, right? When when you're doing, when you're when you're creating is so much different than you know paying the bills uh -huh. and it becomes taxing, right? Like 
today I know I just want to go in and like, you know, make some stuff, make some food to make people happy and like bounce <laughs> out. But instead it's like, oh, a little daunting to be like, okay, don't forget you have to be a business person too. Right. How do you, or maybe you don't, but like when you feel unbalanced in that, how do you like correct that ship? Like how you do you usually learn? have a mental breakdown and then uh, start from there? No, I'm just, <laughs> that's how uh, we all do it. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's the best. I think I I procrastinate mm-hmm. and then I force myself. I'm I'm really good at like letting something bother me until a point, but that then I can't. Yeah. You know that I will just sit one day and be like, all right, I know I'm really stressed out about this. I I have to do it. But of course, I'll let myself think about it for four days before that. You know, the pandemic hit. You've been now around for what a little around five years or five so? years, September seven. So almost half of that has been during some stage of the pandemic. So I'm curious, like, to, especially around 2020 when things were really, you know, um, deeply affecting restaurants. I'm sure they still are. What were some of the hardest decisions you had to make during that time? staff are your biggest investment. And I I really had to make the decision whether I was going to keep working on my foundation, my staff there, and and dedicate that to them, or was I going to try to keep building Ritzy and, you know, risk putting a crack in my foundation. I put my morals first, and mm-hmm. we kept on the foundation, and we supported our staff through the pandemic. No one went unpaid. We delivered groceries weekly to the staff at the point where no one was going out you know, made sure that we had proper rides for the staff. And, and we really put a lot of time and effort into that. And I could have invested my PPP money in mm-hmm. different things, you know, like all my, ev- everything I went, went to my staff. Yeah. You know, I, I could have redone our booths. I could have put a new <laughs> sound system in. I could have built a full patio out back. Right. Um, because those are considered restaurant renovations. I could have bought eight months worth of vodka. <laughs> you know, right, there, right. there's a lot of things you can do and write off. And, do you feel, I mean, going back to uh, the measurement of spoons, like how many of those day-to-day are, are working on COVID or, or thinking about COVID? Definitely. And kind of like what's next, yeah. right? Like what is the next thing here? Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, I think at least in our lifetime, as far as I remember, COVID's the first time anyone was like, don't leave the house. Like that must have been for for um, folks who run restaurants, do you feel there's any like trauma there? Like it could all shut down again at any time? Uh, I, I have felt better. Re- there was for a long period mm-hmm. of time that I was like, what am I possibly going to do? My, I was actually sober for a year previous to 2020. Mm-hmm. And my first relapse was December of 2020. And it was because I thought we we're going to have to shut down our restaurant because uh, someone tested positive And mm. like, how am I possibly going to afford to keep going? Tea East is a a very LGBTQ plus friendly space. I'm curious, like, what are some of the intentional choices, if any, that you made to create that space? I don't necessarily think it was intentional at first. At first, I think I was almost a little nervous with it because I didn't want to be acknowledged as a gay place. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was actually working behind the bar one night in a firefighter. This story will never go down (laughs) in my mind. A (laughs) firefighter came in and he was coming from like an event. He had a few. And he said, sometimes we, you know, we get your burgers and they're not bad for a lesbian bar. Whoa. And that like, like the rage within yeah. me was like, I was like, what a dick. Yeah. I cannot believe he said that, you know, because that's not what I ever want to be labeled as. Right. And that's like, right. Like why we always have to put things in boxes. Why, yeah, why yeah. does there need to be so many labels on it? And that was like in the beginning. And then I found as I was, you know, developing Ritzy's and as COVID and I was starting to transition, I realized that like, there's nowhere in Boston that like, you know, there is, sorry, there is places, but it's not as connected. And especially I feel like for the trans community and the queer community, like I think the uh, male gay population has has an okay scene in Mm -hmm. Boston. Not great by all means. I think Boston's pretty lackluster. Yeah. But I do feel like there is a very like short atmosphere and it's, and it's sad because Boston is like, we're pretty blue and progressive. And to yeah. think that like, not really a meetup place and, you know, something you learn in business is if you have a niche, lean into it. Mm. And I think that was my moment of like, yeah, not only like, is this a niche spot, but now I'm like proud of myself. I'm proud of who I'm becoming. <laughs> and I want to make sure that these people, you know, have a space and, you know, yeah. validates me in a way too, you know? What are the- some of the bigger things you've noticed since you've leaned into that more? I do feel like we've got more press related to that. We had a lovely write-up in the Boston Globe <laughs> mm-hmm. um, for Pride Month, where to eat for Pride Month. And I think it's made more connections in the community. You know, I go out more and I think I'm recognized. Watertown Pride, they asked me to host the after party. You know, 
leaning into it that I, I've given much more opportunities, I think. All right, I'm ready to talk about what I'm going through. By the way, you don't have to solve what I'm going through. We've I've kind of hinted at this. So the past couple of weeks, I was really, I had just a perfect storm of deadlines. And um, we're also planning a wedding, which like, <laughs> yep. there's just so many micro decisions to make. I, I've just been, between that and deadlines, I've just like hit like a point of, of burnout. There was a there was a point last week where I had finished a bunch of stuff and then I had one more thing that day and couldn't get my tablet to work and I froze. I was I don't think I was actually in the fetal position, but like emotionally I was in the fetal position on the couch just like I don't know what to do, <laughs> you know. And I'm now kind of coming back out from that burnout um just cuz I've had a little space between those deadlines, but I don't really have a lot of time to catch my breath because I have to jump right back into a bunch of other deadlines. So that's kind of what I'm going through is like, you're catching me on a day where I can breathe a little bit today, but within the next three days, I know I have to like dive back into the deep end. I feel like I'm, a, I'm like walking toward the edge of the diving board right now. And that's kind of just what I'm going through. I'm trying to figure out like, how do I catch my breath during these times when there I don't have a week off? So I think with that, is gratitude. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something huge when I'm feeling like really tight for time or like I'm I'm not seeing, right? I say that I'm zoomed too far in on the microscope yeah. and you have to back it up a little bit, right? And I think for me is like you're saying tonight's your only time. And I think that's saying that tonight's the time where you really need to take as much energy as you can and really release it. Mm. You know, whether that's just writing, you know, get some thoughts out, you know, journaling, I think cooking your favorite meal, taking 20 minutes after this, getting a coffee and sitting by the water. And I think it's just taking those little moments and representing that like these next few days are going to be really hard for you, but like you've done it before and you need to know where your energy is going. Yeah, I feel I fully agree with that. And gratitude has been super helpful for me. I know to some people listening, they hear gratitude and they immediately think it's very like woo woo or like, mm-hmm. you know, gratitude or I don't know what that tone of voice but I was wiggling my fingers like a wizard when I said that but the gratitude wizard the gratitude wizard oh man I kind of want to be that right (laughs) that's your new handle yeah that's my new new influencer identity I love it on TikTok but yeah something I've been trying to do even during the last few weeks when I was um working too hard not like as a brag like I just had too much to do but I tried to find moments the truth is I still I love drawing. So like, even if the five minutes before I start drawing is super stressful, and most of the time I am drawing is stressful because I'm feeling rushed, and the five minutes after is stressful because I'm tired and need to move on to the next thing, I'm trying to find moments while I'm drawing where I'm like, this part's fun though, you know? Right, but, but look at this. And I think being grateful is something that, you know, helps boost you know, your serotonin, like not only grateful for the work I'm doing, but I'm grateful that I have this apartment. I'm grateful I have this opportunity to be on this podcast with you. You know, I'm grateful that, you know, I got to go to the restaurant and get stuff done before this. It may not be exactly what I wanted to do, but I'm grateful that I did it. Well, something that I've realized too, and maybe this is like a a PSA, if this is an advertisement for (laughs) gratitude (laughs) from the the wizard himself. The wizard, yeah. Trademark. I think a lot of people think of gratitude because it, it is frustrating if you're having a really bad day. We've all had like been having a bad day and have someone, you know, say to us like, "Well, at least you're healthy," or like, "At least you have a roof over your head." And like, that's not always helpful because you're like, "Let me be real that I'm having a bad Definitely. day." But what I've learned is that like really specific gratitude can exist at the same time as anxiety and stress. You can be upset that you have to do something and grateful that the thing you're upset about is something that's not so bad. Right. <laughs> it's know? an opportunity. Exactly. My mom was always that, right? Mm-hmm. Like every, someone has it worse. Like, you know, be thankful for what you do have. And I think that's like really hard. And that's something I've been working on, like getting away from. And I don't think that's like the form of gratitude you should take with you. Okay, so we're going to jump to a lightning round. Your answers don't have to be that fast. What is something that you learned the hard way, but you would be happy for other people if they could just learn it the easy way by listening to you tell them on this podcast? I think it would be that if you have any question on your sobriety uh, or like if you should be sober, then I think you should attend an AA meeting now. Okay, that's great. And then what is something you learned the hard way that you think it was actually very important that you learned it the hard way and not the easy way? 
Uh, I think working. Uh, I think starting at the bottom is very important. I think that's like a huge attribute to like me as an owner. And you brought up earlier, you know, like not every owner is at a restaurant doing things. And Mm -hmm. I think that's so important, right? Being able to put yourself in these roles. And I think, you know, losing out on those opportunities in the kitchen, I think, you know, given the crappy bar chefs, you know, (laughs) um, because I wasn't, you know, the blonde girl, so I didn't get the Friday night chefs, Mm -hmm. you know, like all those things that like really kind of hurt, I think that. I'm happy I went through all those because they shaped me, right? Yeah. And I think for other people, I I just think that the only thing I'd say is be confident in yourself. Other people aren't thinking about you the way you think about yourself. <laughs> so, I can so tell true. you that. So true. Um, all right. Last lightning round question. What is your favorite thing to do that has nothing to do with cooking or running a restaurant or running a business? Uh, my favorite thing to do is to be on a boat. Ah. I would like if I had like one choice, like, hey, what do you want to do today? You get anything. I'd be like, can we take a sailboat around the harbor? I love it. Now, do you have a boat or do you just know people who have boats? It's on my vision board. It's on my vision board. And now we, I do know a couple people with boats, but we'll <laughs> rent right here in Boston. Oh, and that's you can great. go out and they'll do the sunset sails and stuff. I also, I haven't been on a sailboat in a while, but I also, I also love being on boats of any size, whether it's like a huge boat or I've never been on a cruise ship, but like a a big boat or like I love kayaking. I did it the other day. I just like, right. I feel very centered by the water. Just, it reminds me like how small I am. Like, look at all of this. This is like so much. And I'm like worried about these things that, you know, are (laughs) crazy. Do you think this boat thing relates to like us not being able to shut off our brain? Yeah, I I definitely do, right? Because it's a way that often you think of boats too, like you don't necessarily have cell service, right? You're you're like away from stuff. The the quiet moments that you don't often get. Right. There's something sort of cozy about it almost. And that, I mean, I think for some people, what I'm about to describe is their fear of boats, but like (laughs) there's something cozy about that you're surrounded by water and like, oh, for, for right now, let's say you're on a boat with two people, like, oh, for right now, we're all just here. We're probably not going to make any phone calls, hopefully, if we don't need to, you know. Right. And like, what are you doing on a boat, right? You're you're taking in, you're letting it. And that's a lot with creativity, giving yourself that time to let those thoughts come in, yeah. right? those ideas. I had someone ask the other day, like, how do you create these menu ideas? I'm like, they're just all random thoughts that I put together, <laughs> right? Like one day I'll see something and it makes me think, wow, that'd actually be kind of dope to do. I don't know where where this fits in with the conversation, but... I wanted to like just talk about like where Ritzy East like fit in for me in my life and still ongoing because I'll be back there for sure now that I'm I'm back in Boston for a little while. But it might be weird to hear that like I have a nostalgic view of Ritzy East, which is not a very old restaurant, you know, like <laughs> perfect. But it like opened right at a really specific time in my life where I just left a really long relationship and then moved in with friends in Watertown in that neighborhood. And then also, you know, some of my other neighbors just happened to be close friends. So there was a time in my life where that was where we would hang out. It was like our our Seinfeld diner or something, you know. And then like simultaneously during that time, that was when I started dating again for the first time in nine years. So like I had no idea what I was doing. But like the one thing I was like, well, there's a cool restaurant in my neighborhood. That's easy to suggest. And so like it, it was also like a little bit of an embarrassing time. I don't think dating's embarrassing to anyone dating. It's that's great. But I felt embarrassed a lot during that time cuz I was like I felt like a baby deer learning to walk <laughs> cuz I had, I hadn't been single in 9 years. I'd never been on dating apps before. And so I just associate Ritzy with that time for better or for worse. Um I, Listen, you're not alone. I think we're a very big Tinder yeah. spot. <laughs> yeah, it no, makes, you know, open not only Tinder, but yeah, anyone's yeah. welcome. It it makes sense. I mean, it's a very friendly place. It's also like if you're taking a date somewhere and like the the owner's like, hey Alex, yeah, like, right. you're like, okay, I look cool, I think. You know. <laughs> but also, um, during that time, one of those dates was now my current fiance. So I, Ritzy I actually that. really uh holds a special place in my heart. And we we haven't been in a while because we've been out in uh, Tel Aviv off and on. So yeah, I just wanted to express that to you and thank you for like creating that space uh for me to live my awkward second puberty. <laughs> Listen, I love it, and thank you for sharing that. We're here for it. I'm in my awkward second puberty too. We can do it together. I love it. I love it. Well, that's a good a good place to end on. If folks want to either visit your restaurant in person or uh, go on social media and follow you and follow the restaurant, how would they do that? 
So we're open Wednesday through Saturdays, 3 to 10 p.m. Our hours will be changing a little bit in the future come fall. We'll be open a little later. And I do suggest that you check our social media. We post everything there. And it's at Ritzy East, R-I-T-C-E-Y, East as in the direction. And yeah, in our website as well, we'll have the menu updated daily. We change pretty often. So, and yeah, if you have questions, DM or call. I'm always around. Obviously, we've chatted that, uh, you know, I don't rest much. <laughs> <laughs> and the restaurant's in Watertown, Massachusetts yes. for anyone. Yeah, so. very important. <laughs> Sorry if you're not around here. I'll, I'll FedEx it. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. And that's a guarantee. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Delete that. Um, no. <laughs> well, Max, thank you so much for doing this. This was like truly so much fun. Uh, and I'm glad we got to chat uh, without a bar in between us. Right. This, this was lovely. It <laughs> felt very, very real. I love it. All right, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. And I hope that if you live anywhere near Watertown or are visiting, that you visit Max's restaurant, Ritzy East, because it is a incredibly welcoming place. And I really enjoy every visit there. As usual, do all the things. Rate, subscribe, share on social media, talk to me about your reactions to this episode. I'm also really interested to hear if you had any reactions to the intro. I love talking about that stuff with other people. It's really helpful to my journey and I hope helpful to others. Thank you to Adam Salzberg for mixing the audio and bringing it to your ears. And the theme music is by Typist, which is Adam's solo project. You should definitely check out his music. So yeah, thanks for listening. We're gonna have another episode in two weeks and I will talk to you then, if not sooner. Is that a weird way to end it? (laughs) I think that's fine. Okay, I'm going to go to bed. It's four in the afternoon when I record this, but I am going to go to bed.